I call it luck. In my experience, there's no such thing as luck. to Cantabite Dispatch. Today, I'm Brittany, and joining me today, as always, is my friend, Emily Lynn. Hi, Emily. Hi, Brittany. How are you? I am good. I am glad to be back with my friend, Brittany Brown, talking about Star Wars. How are you doing? I'm, I'm doing great. I'm here glad to be back with my friend, Emily Lynn, and talk about Star Wars and mostly other topics, because... Star Wars has been fine. There's just been a lot going on, so it's been fun just sitting here catching up on uh, life. Yeah, we've just been trash talking uh, off mic for about an hour, and it's been very good. I know. I think that's like my favorite hobby, or one of my favorite hobbies is just trash talking because it's just, I love trash so much, and I, I believe you do too, so being able to discuss trash is is just amazing. I am very gossipy and very nosy. Yes. Hey, well, speaking of gossip, have you watched the new Gossip Girl? Yeah, it fucking sucks. Okay. I watched it last night and I was surprised how explicit it was because, you know, the original one was yeah. on uh, one of those like uh, cable TV channels. So it was like PG-13, but... Man, like, they're cursing, they're fucking, they're doing everything. And, I mean, hey, like, they, they can do whatever they want, you know. But it was a lot. But I, I thought it was fine. Yeah. Um, I think there should be a Serena and a Blair. Like, I feel like they're trying to make Julian kind of both. But I think that they need some uh, clarification on who's who because that's how you make the show successful. Okay, right off the bat, spoilers for the first episode of The New Gossip Girl. The teachers fucking suck. And making the teachers run the Gossip Girl website is so beyond gross, I can't deal with it. I mean, there's a couple things. One, the actress playing the main teacher, the blonde chick who starts up the site, is awful. Like, genuinely a terrible actress. But... They all seem like they're in a sitcom about high school teachers. And the rest of the show is still Gossip Girl. And that's weird. I do not understand how the plan is. If we start 
this gossip website about them, they'll be nicer to us. Because the whole thing is like the students have gotten out of control and are really mean to the teachers. So they decide to start up Gossip Girl so that the students will be distracted and stop being mean to them, which is a plan that works somehow, but actually makes no sense whatsoever. Also, the whole Dana's Gossip Girl thing was always a bit of a stretch and also, again, gross because he's talking about his friends and his girlfriends and stuff. But teachers reporting on students' sex lives and taking pictures of them half undressed through windows, it's not like fun trashy. It's criminal trashy. And I don't think they reckon with that. I think it's a horrible look for teachers, you know, especially right now, like with COVID. I mean, like, I think that so many teachers right now are going above and beyond, like making sure that kids are, you know, being taught and are happy and everything. So I think that making the teachers gossip girl is just a really shitty look. And, you know, I get it's for entertainment purposes, but this ain't it. And and again, it's, this is not, like hey you're betraying your friends this is criminal behavior yeah if they were gonna have adults they should have just made it the parents like original gossip girl did you can do some like they've already created some drama where the two main girls are half sisters and their dads hate each other that's fine like actually show us them and maybe make them characters And maybe they're going to do that down the line, but I just, I cannot get over how bad this teacher thing is. What I'm hoping is that over the next couple episodes, they, the teachers will like lose custody of Gossip Girl or something or something Mm -hmm. sneaky will happen. And another student, hopefully like a known student will get a hold of it so that these teachers can get fucked because i i get it like it sucks like it it definitely it sucks seeing that one teacher get fired because like a student like said something about her or something but like why fight fire with fire like in that situation like if you want these kids to be truly successful like there are other ways to make them successful not take pictures of them half naked in windows like again also like it just doesn't make sense to me that and i get that like in the show it works but it does not make sense that it works that they posted shit about this chick, so now she's nice to the teacher at the end of the episode. I like what, po- how, why? It it's dumb. I hate it. Uh, also, I think the problem is making it the teachers makes me more aware of how much older I am than the students. Like obviously, I know that I'm thirty seven. But since I'm older even than the teachers, like having the teachers be in charge of Gossip Girl makes me more aware of the sleaziness of it and makes me feel gross watching it. Yeah. It's it's weird. And then especially like the, the characters are interesting too. Like we have Emily Lind who... I think she wants to have a threesome with her boyfriend and like one of the other friends, which go Emily Lind. Her boyfriend also seems into it, which is nice. Um, yeah, the the dude she wants to have sex with is definitely the Chuck Bass of the show. Yeah, he's kind of cute. 
yes. like a weird like Chuck Bass way. Sorry, I'm getting up right now because my parents have just told me that they are coming up right now. So I have to walk over to the door with my laptop and open the door. <laughs> okay, do we need to stop podcasting or? No, we don't need to. They're not there yet. I just have to make sure the door's unlocked. There we go. I have successfully unlocked the door. Now anyone can come in. This is like MTV MTV Cribs. Like, welcome to my house. But yeah. Oh, I forgot Apparently to the door. Apparently MTV Cribs is coming back. Really? Yeah, I just saw that today, which seems, you know what, guys? Not the time. I don't need to see a bunch of rich people's houses. Yeah, they've already done Gossip Girl, so we, we don't need anything else to come back. But yeah, so I moved successfully. Um, Box is still everywhere, but I do not recommend moving to anyone. I was not expecting how much I would hate this. It's bad. It's not fun. This is your first time moving, right? First time ever. Yeah, it's it's a pain in the ass, and you don't realize how much of a pain in the ass it is until you're actually doing it. Yeah, and especially getting back from, like, a lovely, fantastic tropical vacation to, like, your life in boxes. Like, it's, like, very, very traumatic. Like, change is something I've never been, like, used to or, like, never, like, adjusted well to. So, especially, like, something, like, big like this. Like, I think, like, every day I have, like, an emotional breakdown. <laughs> but Aww. it's fine. And today's today's fine. Today's better. But I, I think it's just such a big change. And, I mean, like, I'll be fine in the next, like, you know, couple days, couple weeks. But you know, time will be my friend in this, but just right now, I don't know. It just, it's weird because, you know, I grew up with my family and, you know, going from everyone in the house to like no one, it's like kind of lonely, but I just need to keep myself busy. Well, I will when my family decides to walk through the door any minute, but yeah. But, well, I'm glad to be talking with you because it's been God, like three four weeks since we've last recorded yeah it's been a long time i know so what else have you been up to i think you went on a little vacation too while we were gone yeah i went to uh, massachusetts to visit my brother and his wife uh my parents and my younger brother and sister drove out so we all just hung at their place for like about a week and they've got one of those like really big above ground pools and uh, my brother cooked a couple of nights and we got you know lobster rolls and takeout fried seafood and I baked a bunch and we just played uno and watched movies it was a lot of fun that sounds like a blast that's the kind of vacation that I like where I don't have to go anywhere or see anything beyond like getting to the place I'm going. Yeah. I don't want to go on hikes. I don't want to go on educational excursions. Like I'll do an art museum or a science museum. That's fine. But I don't, I don't want to do a bunch of day trips. I want to hang out by a pool and drink hard seltzer and eat a bunch of snacks. 
Yeah, that's exactly how Carlos is. We grew up so different, especially like our family vacation like dynamics, you know, from us going on like road trips and, you know, being up from 6 a.m. to being back at the hotel at 6 p.m. You know, and his would just be like relaxing in Vegas or, you know, going here. Mm. And I think like uh, when we went to Hawaii, it was like kind of like a mixture in the middle. Like we would wake up early because it's three hours ahead. So like if I wake up at nine here, it'd be 6 a.m. there. So we would just wake up and go on walks and it was just beautiful just like walking near the beach one day we went snorkeling we went on this like lovely road tour where we saw all the greenery of Maui and went to Pearl Harbor one of the days yeah it was it was one of those trips where it's like we feel like we did everything but nothing at the same time but also like we weren't like too overwhelmed and especially like TSA wasn't too bad because we kept hearing horror stories of how is there's three four hour long lines to get into his TSA to get on an airplane but in reality it was like 10 minutes but I think we just got lucky but it was nice it's one of those vacations where like you're sitting back at work and you're like a week ago today I had a pina colada in my hand (laughs) and tonight today I have a mouse in my hand doing a bunch of work but I'm happy to be doing work I'm I'm happy to now be mm-hmm. stable and be somewhere where I'm gonna be for a long time. So I'm happy. That's good. Glad everything worked out. Yeah, me too. Me too. So, uh, what have I missed? It's it's been a bit. Yeah, I tried to do a sort of roundup of stuff from the past couple weeks. There's some stuff I either I'm sure I forgot or didn't care about, like Lego calling Boba Fett Starship, Boba Fett Starship, and not Slave One on the new building set, and people losing their shit over that because people are dumb babies and I hate them. But I figure the nice thing about not being on for those couple weeks is we don't really have to talk about that. But I tried to pull, like, big things. So this was a couple weeks ago now. But, again, we haven't talked. So Leslie Hedlund, who is the person who is showrunning and writing Acolyte, did an interview with AV Club. And while we didn't learn much about what the show is actually going to be, it was cool because she talked a lot about her Star Wars fandom, um, her own influences in it. Like She's a big, um, like... Uh, Phantom Menace was a big movie for her. She talks about that. Um, One thing that I thought was interesting is she intentionally brought a writer into the writer's room who hasn't seen Star Wars and isn't a big Star Wars fan. Who can be the person going, hey, but why are people doing this or talking about this? And does this make sense? Uh, As opposed to people who are just like, ooh, that's a reference that I get. And it's really, really cool. I like that. I think that's really interesting, you know, getting a perspective from someone who hasn't seen the movies because I feel like that could potentially make the movies like even better. I think that kind of change is good. And I feel like it would scare a lot of people, but I'm not scared. I think that's going to be cool. Yeah, I think it's important to have a perspective, to have a, a check on your stories to make sure that your stories make sense in and of themselves and isn't just something that people think is cool because they know all the stuff around it. 
Uh, she also was talking a lot about um, her her sexuality. She is queer, and she talked about how that obviously brings something to all of the project that she does, whether it's queer characters or straight characters. It's still it's told through the lens of of a queer person, and is therefore it's an it's an influence on it. And she talked about wanting to tell, you know, stories about those people. And they they did ask her whether, you know, because she was talking about queerness as a lens and all of her characters in one way or another are queer. But they did clarify that. And she says, like, whether it would be explicit in, in the characters of the story or not. And she says, I think can you expect some sort of combination or both? You can expect some sort of expression of my own artistic dream and just my voice and what it looks like in that universe for sure. But I also think that representation both on screen and behind the screen, it's just so important. So fingers crossed. <laughs> we'll actually, for real, get an actually queer character in live action Star Wars. Wouldn't that be something? Or, you know, maybe they can just say it in the books or no. It's horrible <laughs> how they would do that. Where they'd be like, oh yeah, this character's this. Or you go back to Harry Potter. Oh yeah, Dumbledore's queer. And it's like, ugh, just put it in the movie. Doesn't just, count. Just say it. Just fucking yeah. say it. I don't know, but that's really cool. I, th- you know, representation is so fucking important, and I think that we really need that in Star Wars. You know, queer representation—that something that Star Wars is truly missing—and I think that that could get a lot of people, you know, back into Star Wars or possibly even into Star Wars because we need to find, you know, what's relatable to us. And you know, there's a lot of characters that I feel like a lot of people are too afraid to, you know, share on the screen. And I think that would be an amazing opportunity, you know, to create characters that relate actually to people and not just cisgendered white people. Yeah, uh, I'm I'm getting really excited about that show. I'm I'm very hopeful. I think that's going to be something really different, and not just in terms of its setting or or the time period that it's in. I think I think we're going to see something really new with it. Fingers crossed, anyway. Yeah. Did you see the Star Wars Visions trailer that they showed at the whatever that anime fest was called? Yeah, I saw the trailer. It looked really cool. I I wasn't expecting. I, I, I didn't even know what I was going to expect when you know I saw a trailer about Visions. But I think it's really cool and really unlike any i mean unlike anything star wars has ever seen but no like truly like i think it's awesome you know the artists and the creative directors that they've got for this are fantastic i think this is going to be really really cool yeah so we're getting nine shorts they're apparently all going to go up on september 22nd one thing i was excited about is they were talking about the fact that they decided not to worry about whether or not these stories fit in with regular Star Wars chronology. They don't have to be canon. They just are interesting stories for people to tell. Whether you think of them as like what ifs or alternate histories or whatever, they can just be their own thing and exist in and of themselves and you don't have to try to 
draw a big diagram of how it all works in the bigger picture. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. You know, we don't have to put too much thought into, you know, everything doing with star Wars, you know, if it's Canon, if it's a legends, like, can we just tell a story and just tell it without having to, you know, think about everything, how everything fits, you know, the clone wars where it was all anthology. So like you couldn't really piece together all the episodes until the very end, because like, if you want to technically watch the clone wars from beginning to end, you have to watch like season one, episode one, then season three, episode 23, then like all the different episodes. But yeah, I think that's really cool. I liked what a wide variety of styles there seemed to be. Like there's, cause I'm not a big anime fan. And there was definitely some that like looked more what I think of as their traditional sort of, I guess, like action fighting anime. Um, we know there's like a samurai story there, but that's not everything. There was also like a cute little droid robot girl. And there's apparently a rock opera, which I am super excited for. That sounds fun as hell. Yeah, that sounds awesome. Yeah, and this is coming out in September, so... We'll be getting it pretty soon. Yeah, right? It's already the middle of July. Jesus. That's crazy. I know. And and tied into Star Wars Visions, and again, this is a neat thing that they're doing sort of outside of everything has to be part of canon. There is Ronin, a Star Wars Vision novel, and that is coming October 12th. It is by Emma Miko Kandon. It is inspired by an episode of Visions called The Duel. And it is an alternate Jedi slash Sith history steeped in Japanese lore. Hmm. Now, I am not a huge samurai ronin story fan and like it's just it's not something i've explored much it's i'm just it's not my cup of tea but i am interested in this book just because it's such a different thing for them to do and it's all like the so the the description that they put out the jedi are the most loyal servants of the empire two decades ago jedi clans clashed in service of defeating god feuding lords. Sickened by this endless cycle, a sect of Jedi rebelled, seeking to control their own destiny and claim power and service of no master. They called themselves Sith. The Sith Rebellion failed, succumbing to infighting and betrayal, and the once rival lords unified to create an empire. But even an empire at peace is not free from violence. Far on the edge of the Outer Rim, one former Sith wanders, accompanied only by a faithful droid and the ghost of a less civilized age. He carries a lightsaber but claims lineage to no Jedi clan and pledges allegiance to no lord. Little is known about him, including his name, for he never speaks of his past nor his regrets. His history is as guarded as the red blade of destruction he carries sheathed at his side. As the galaxy's perpetual cycle of violence continues to erupt to interrupt his self-imposed exile, and he is forced to duel an enigmatic bandit claiming it in the title of Sith, it becomes clear that no amount of wandering will ever let him outpace the specters of his former life. Shit's deep. I I think it's interesting and I'm I'm glad that it's not bogged down by, oh well, this is this is canonically how the Sith formed and this was with the Darth Plagueis, and this is the myth of the of shit that I do not care about at all. Yeah, I like how we're 
you know, just getting to know characters and, you know, characters' point of views instead of just, like, the whole story's point of view, you know, because we get the Skywalker saga. We get, like, how this happened, how this happened. Like, I don't want to know how a whole, like, century of things happened. Like, I want to know, you know, a person individually, like, how they're dealing with everything. And especially, like, a former Sith, like, the perspective of that would be truly interesting. Yeah, especially if it does give us a different perspective on the Sith, you know, whether it's canon or not, not having it be a total black and white good versus evil thing, but there's more there's more to it than that. And everybody is is a mixture of both. And I think I think I'm really I'm hopeful about this. Yeah, me too. I, I can't wait to see how it goes. Yeah. Again, I'm just, even though this is not, genre-wise is maybe not, like, something I would be automatically drawn to, I'm so excited that they're doing something different. I I like I like a lot of the, the new canon books, and I'm enjoying The High Republic. I actually, I just got um, a copy of the new... Justin Ireland YA book that's coming out in a couple of weeks. So hopefully I'll have that done and can review it next episode. But as much as I'm liking the high Republic, I just want a book that can just be a book that I don't have to read eight other books to know what's going on in the book. Hmm. Can't wait to hear your review. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to that one. Um, and again, like I know, like obviously, there's so much influence of of Japanese lore, and especially like the Rome, Ronin or samurai stuff in in Star Wars. That it's cool we're getting that explicitly. And I know uh, people like Haas of Blue Harvest are very very excited for it. Yeah. Haws from Blue Harvest. That should be a like a business card. <laughs> I want I want Haws's business card. Me too. I want Haws's Christmas card. <laughs> I need you to start have cat pictures. Yeah, like all the cats and all the different seasons. Like or like how they have they have like four cats, right? They can do like all the seasons. <laughs> like summer, winter, fall, spring. Genius. There you go. You just suggest that to him. Yeah. I, yeah. I don't I don't think those cats get dressed up in costumes, but Oh no, just like the scenery. We don't need to put costumes oh, okay. on them. Like, yeah. Like put them like behind like a little picture of the, of snowflakes or something, and another one of a tree, another one of a of a sun. <laughs> I don't know. I'm trying to think of uh, seasons. A sun and a tree. Okay. Yeah, because the, the but the tree could be for fall or spring. I think spring like flowers, and then fall maybe like tree or like uh, pumpkin. Pumpkin. Oh man, I love I love fall. Love the pumpkins. 
that I love, like the prelude to Christmas where it's like not Christmas yet, but then everything's getting cold. And then like the mixture of decorations, like you have the Halloween and then you have like this slightly Christmas and then you go all out for Christmas. Like there's no tomorrow, like Chris Fresh. Yeah. But Chris does Christmas too soon. There's no such thing. Chris can't do Christmas too soon. Yes, he does. It's too soon. It needs to be after Thanksgiving. Well, he doesn't. And I know, I know, I know he's in Australia. They know they don't celebrate Thanksgiving. However, it can't start in the beginning of fucking November. That's outrageous. Maybe it's like an Australian thing, like that it's like they are legally obliged <laughs> to have their Christmas decorations up or else someone's going to be pissed. <laughs> yeah, that person who is pissed. Chris Fresh. <laughs> do, 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 do. What else? Oh, well, I don't know why I say, ooh, like I'm excited about this. I don't give a shit about <laughs> this, but... <laughs> They're, they announced they're doing a new episode of Disney Gallery Star Wars The Mandalorian. Is that what it's called? It's too too long of a title. But they're doing an episode all about the making of the season two finale. It comes out August 25th and it will focus on the technology used for recreating Luke Skywalker and delve into the collaborative process, including working with Mark Hamill to create an authentic and fitting recreation and explores the immense pressure and responsibility the filmmakers had in bringing back one of the most important characters in film history. Who asked for this? A lot of people, I think. I mean, Steel Saunders mostly, but... I mean, is there a way that we can like only have Steel Saunders like see this? Like, that this is like, this is two, two Steel Saunders from Santa or something. I feel like maybe if this had come out a week after that episode, I would have been like, oh, I'll click on that. Or if it had started playing immediately after seeing that episode, I probably wouldn't have turned it off. But this far from that episode, I just like, I don't give a shit. And also, don't get me wrong. I realize the technology has improved a lot. And I realize it is an immense amount of work that goes into it. At the end of the day, however much it might look better than it has in the past, the technology still, to me, looks like cartoony bullshit, and I hate it. And so I don't need to know. I don't want to know how they made it, because the end product for me doesn't work, and he looked like a cartoon, and his mouth was weird, and they should have just cast an actor. Yeah, man, Sebastian wasn't doing anything, and you just decided to spend way more money to put some dots in some dude's face and get Mark to come in. I mean, like... No disrespect to Mark, like, you know, that's Luke Skywalker, but, I mean, other people are allowed to be Luke Skywalker. It doesn't have to be Mark Hamill. Yeah. We have had approximately 25,000 Batmans and a billion Spider-Mans. You can, you can, you can just cast somebody else. It's fine. If you want to do and then you want to do behind the scenes of this is how we did makeup to make Sebastian Stan look a little bit more like young Mark Hamill. And we did a little computer effects around here to make him look even a little bit more. I would have been fine with that. However, hey, look at this cartoon that is suddenly in the middle of this live action show. No bueno. Do not like. Yeah, no, thank you. 
also at this point I'm just over the Mandalorian. I like it again when it's on again. But I had I got other new shiny things to look at and I like the new shiny things. And when Mandalorian's on again, I'll be excited, especially if they bring back Cobb Vanth. Other than that, yeah, it's fine. I think it's just like the discourse that's like getting us or just like the the hype or just, you know, that's I don't know what it is, but I I agree with you. Even though I did see a lovely cardboard Cobb Vanth the other day at the mall. Like I oh. I know I I thought of you. I'm like, man, I should send that over to Emily Lynn's house. Fuck. Um so much. Oh. Timothy Olfant, man, he's so good. I need him back on my TV on a regular basis. You see, it's not fair to me that we're getting this Luke Skywalker special, but we're not getting a Cobb Vanth one. Yeah. Oh, I just, I, I don't, just show me the making of that episode. Show me the, like, hair department fixing Cobb Vanth's wonderful, wonderful hair. Yeah, I want to see what other, you know, hair, what all hair products were used. And I want to see what other, you know, hairstyles he was going to have before, like, the one. So, like, we could determine if, like, that really was the one, even though we know that it is. Just, you know, like, when you go wedding dress shopping, you know, you you know which dress is the one. But you have to try other ones just to see, like, what they look like. Yeah. Yeah. He is a ridiculously attractive man. A beautiful man, for sure. And has, in a really unfair way, has gotten much more attractive over the past, like, decade or so. Oh, I know. He was fantastic in that one episode. I think that was, like, the best episode of the whole season of The Mandalorian. And he was just so beautiful. Like, it just, it sickens me, just that smile. Just, like, how much it does. He is... Ugh, yeah, it's the smile. He's got a really good smile. Yeah. He also has an Emmy nomination for guest actor for his one episode as Cobb Vanth. Man, you better win or I'll riot. <laughs> I really, I, I don't know who he's up against. I paid zero attention to the Emmy nominations this year. It's normally something I follow, but except for knowing that Ted Lasso got a whole bunch. I have no idea what's happened beyond the Mandalorian ones that I know because I was looking for Star Wars news. I think Don Cheadle's also nominated for a guest spot too. But I think he's nominated for like best guest spot. And well, no, because Falcon Winter Soldier wasn't anthology series, it was actual like series because they're going to do another season because they did at the end where they're like, it's, it's Captain America and the Winter Soldier, which I thought was cool. But go Don Cheadle, but also Cobb Banth needs to win the Emmy. Yeah, I'm, uh, Carl Weathers also got nominated for his role of Grief Karga. Um, it was interesting. I, yeah, I guess that's guest actor. Um, Giancarlo Esposito got nominated for supporting actor. Uh, they got a nom for best drama series. Favreau got a nod for director for Chapter 9, The Marshal. It got writing noms for The Jedi and The Rescue. And then it was a bunch of... Um, and, I, and I don't want to like just brush them all off 
like I realized the like production stuff and the behind the scenes stuff is important just as important as like the acting nominations also I know what acting is I don't really know what like production design or sound editing mean in terms of what gets you a nomination so that is when I just say a bunch of other stuff that's what I'm talking about it is not that it doesn't deserve to be talked about it is I'm not the person to talk about it yeah like yeah cinematography totally cool costumes totally cool editing um i don't know i don't know what deserves to win on editing i don't know what deserves to win on that shit like especially sound editing versus sound mixing no idea in the whole wide world but they also got stunt coordination and stunt performance i'm just really glad that they're doing emmys for stunt performances now that's super important yeah, I agree because those stunt people work really hard and, you know, could possibly harm their lives for something as silly as a TV show. So I'm glad that that's a category now. Yeah, and they got, like, they got, oh, I was I was really hoping that the uh, hairstyling one would be for the Marshall, but it's for the rescue. Yeah. <laughs> What a shame. Wrong episode, but yeah. they, they got it. Yeah. Prosthetic makeup for the Jedi, so I guess, and yeah, that makes sense with Ahsoka, but and music composition and stuff like that. So yeah, 20 noms, which is pretty good for a genre show to get. Yeah, that's pretty impressive. Um, good for the Mandalorian. You know, I know that it's been through it, you know, with casting and other problems but you know it's a well-deserved show as a very very diverse cast you know now it has a lovely cast mostly so that's good um so good for the mandalorian yeah i think again i i i'll be excited for that show again when it comes on again i'm just a little burnt out and i think some of the hype kind of for that last episode did me in a bit and mostly i'm looking forward to boba fett and then cassian obviously especially if my boy is in it but for i know boba fett because tomorrow morrison is awesome and i'm really excited to see not only boba fett but boba fett's ship <laughs> spaceship that is the name of it that will always be the name of it Boba Fett's spaceship because like why would he name it anything else than Boba Fett's spaceship because who does it belong to Boba Fett and it's his spaceship <laughs> so it's Boba Fett's spaceship like I don't get how that's so hard for people to understand and everyone's getting angry because like they didn't understand that it was Boba Fett's spaceship. Like, they thought it could be anyone's spaceship. But no, fuck you. It's Boba Fett's spaceship. So stop complaining and get over it. You know who wouldn't care about the name of Boba Fett's spaceship? Boba Fett. Exactly. <laughs> I wish people would use this energy on, like, real life things rather than some miscellaneous ass character's spaceship name. Like... I don't know. There's a bunch of shit going on with this Delta variant right now that maybe people should fucking care about, but no everyone's caring about the fact that Boba Fett's spaceship is called Boba Fett's spaceship now. Like, 
And again, on a Lego box. That's the extent of it. Yeah. Um, the last little newsy bit I pulled up isn't really news because it happened uh, back in 1978. But for some reason it was making rounds because I guess these things kind of just pop up sometimes. They sort of come back into the clutter conscious. But Carl Sagan, brilliant, brilliant, brilliant scientist Carl Sagan got him just he's amazing uh, the original uh, Cosmos science series is just a gorgeous beautiful thing even though quite a bit of it might be outdated so he was on Johnny Carson in 78 so like once like after stars came out and for whatever reason carson asked him about it i guess because it's science fiction and it's like you know the biggest movie in the country at the time but 1978 they're all white sagan said of the characters the skin of all humans in star wars is oddly enough like this looking down at his own hands when carson pointed out there were aliens of various appearance Sega noted that none of them seem to be in charge of the galaxy. Everybody in charge of the galaxy seems to look like us. Now, he goes on to sort of, like, talk about the scientific inaccuracies of Star Wars, which, uh, uh, whatever, I, I don't care about that. I think science fiction can be science science fiction. I, I do. He was like, you know, you hire one. Uh you hire one poor graduate student and they can fix some of this shit for you. Yeah, sure. It may, and then maybe you, you know, get the right use of parsecs, but whatever, whatever. But I just, I, I, the idea that people have only recently noticed, you know, it's like, it's only, oh, it's, you know, PC culture that suddenly Star Wars isn't okay anymore because everybody was white. No, people were talking about it back then. Even white people were talking about it back then. And I think that's, really cool and also just makes me love Carl Sagan even more than I previously loved him that's funny I know I saw that making the rounds too and I think it's interesting that you know so many years ago like the main complaint was still that they're all white and then you go back you go to like 40 years later and they're all still white Yeah, it's funny in a way that it's definitely not at all funny. I know. <laughs> like, what are you doing? Look, it's real, like, uh, there's other yeah. people. There's other, uh, you know, the other, yeah, there's just so much you could put. But no, just come on, man. Get get together. But And I and it's the same, it's the same arguments. Because you get Johnny Carson doing the, oh, but they're aliens and they all look different. And and it's like no, all the humans are white and they're in charge, and that and aliens don't count as as you know people of color. They're fucking aliens. I it it was just it was both immensely frustrating, but also immensely reassuring to see. Yeah, it's reassuring to see someone like call out the bullshit, but especially like so long ago. When I would say it was probably like a little rare for, you know, people to call out that kind of behavior. So it's it's cool to see, but also it sucks to see because like not much has changed this many years later. I mean, definitely we're getting that change slowly, but that doesn't excuse it from not happening sooner. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you, I've not asked you this in a while, been watching The Bad Batch? I have. I don't remember anything that has happened until the last episode, other than like everyone <laughs> going on adventures and shit and Omega being adorable as shit. And that's that's really much it. That's all that's been going on is just Omega was gambling one episode. Um, they're with the cat people one episode. Um, Crosshair was doing some shit one episode. In the last episode, Crosshair was doing some more shit, but then the Twileaks, you know, were were doing some shit. Um, we got to see Hera. That was pretty cool. And Chopper. I knew we were going to see Hera because uh, Twitter's fucking relentless. And, like, the second that someone cool pops up, like, they want to tell the whole fucking world um, before. Dude, fucking, fucking AV Cobb spoiled it for me because they did a fucking tweet about it that had a screen cap that totally showed her. The day the episode came out. Yeah, I mean, I'm happy because, like, there's just too much in my fucking life going on right now for to be mean, be, be, me, for me to be annoyed that it was spoiled for me that Hera was in The Bad Batch. But, like, I feel bad for all those people who can't watch The Bad Batch because, like, they got to work early fucking hours in the morning and then they, like, go on Twitter because, like, they got a notification or something that someone posts about it. It's like, yeah, people have no fucking chill. Like, why why can't we like keep things to ourselves until like a day or two or something? Like, I don't know. Like if you're that excited, uh, message your friends. But I just feel like sometimes people are just like, so like they want the likes, they want the comments, they want, you know, they want the discourse, but maybe there's other places to have that discourse, you know? Yeah. And I just, for me, like from, from big media places, especially like AV club, there's no excuse for it. They know better. They had the, the like the article title didn't, have spoiler and it was something about how they're trying too hard to connect to past stuff they could have said that thing without the screen cap and it would have been fine and i mean luckily like i don't give a shit about i like you know i never watched that show so i don't give a shit that we see her but i was still annoyed by it because i'm like I, jesus yeah, I don't know. But yeah, I mean, the last couple episodes have been fine. Like, nothing, like, too too insane, too, uh, I don't know. But it, it's it's a cartoon. It's fun. Like, I, I don't not like it. No. I like it. I'm I'm glad it's on every week. Because I know people talk about, oh, I wish I could just sit down and binge it. I'm like, if you could binge this show, I would have watched maybe two and a half episodes and tagged out and never bothered to have gone back to it. Yeah. But when it's on one episode a week, I enjoy it. It's fine. I watch it for like 20 minutes. I'm like, oh, that was cute. Or, oh, that was interesting. I like it a lot more than I than I liked Clone Wars or some of the other animated stuff. And, and that's what I want. It's just a little nice little bite of it. If I were watching it all at once, I would have gotten bored. Because it's, it's good, but it's not, you know, amazing. Uh you see the fact that we have like four episodes to talk about. I could not really tell you what happened in them. And we're not going to, we're not going to pull up recaps and go through it. Cause they're, you know, they're three or four weeks old at this point. And like every other podcast is talking them to death. Um, 
I am liking Vice Admiral Rampart. He's one of my space bastard dudes, I think, possibly. However, I wish they had just had Tarkin in it more. Yeah, me too. I think that's what the, the show was missing. But yeah, he's he's bad. I like him. Yeah. He's like young, interesting, like up and coming bad guy. That's my those are my dudes. I wanna know what happened with him. Uh I assume at some point he's gonna bite it, but maybe not. I think a good possibility crosshair will kill him. But that's just because I watch a lot of TV shows and that seems like a fairly like standard plot point. If Crosshair becomes good again, he'll kill that dude. Um I I was fine with Hera and, and Chopper. I thought they did a good job of like obviously I think if you hadn't ever seen Rebels, you'd watch that and go, Oh, I think I'm supposed to know who that character is. But it doesn't really matter. Like, you wouldn't be confused. You just go, oh, obviously this is somebody from something else, but I'm getting her story here, and that's fine. Yeah, it was cute. I, I really liked it. I really liked the storytelling. I like how Era still had, you know, her accent because she lost it, you know, the years during Rebels. So it was cool to see, see a young Hera. And it is an interesting story that I, you know, like, I like that we're checking in on a couple of these other planets as the Empire takes over rather than when the Empire is totally firmly in control and sort of how they're reacting to the changeover. And I liked Omega being like, oh, can I show her the ship? I thought it was very cute. And just like her getting to spend time with other kids. Yeah, I, I hope they see her again. I, I think that it would be good for Omega to have some friends, especially someone like Omega, or like uh, Hera. I think that's really would be really helpful to Omega. Yeah. I love her so much. She is precious. I do too. I liked the episode when she is being babysat by um what is her name? Carla from Cheers, the bartender. <laughs> like it's Rhea Perlman. It's Carla from Cheers. What is the character's name? I don't know. It's Carla from Cheers. It doesn't matter. Anyway, I liked their their relationship and her sort of being begrudgingly won over by Omega. Yeah, I know. And I liked the, um, the whole Omega's thing of I'm very good at strategy. It seems like that's going to be important beyond just, hey, she won enough money to pay off their debt. Man, and she's helpful too. Like that's what makes Omega the best is that she's adorable and she's helpful and she's useful and she's smart and she's wonderful. She's beautiful. She's just all these wonderful things like mushed together inside a nice pot to make like a lovely stew. Like that is what Omega is. It's just a lovely, delicious <laughs> stew. But not overpowered. Exactly. Oh, well, unfortunately, I have four very hungry people that have decided to invade my house. So I need to feed them very soon. And okay. these are all adults, not children. So, Emily, it was fantastic to talk to you again. It has made me so happy and has lifted my spirits. So thank you. Yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad to be back talking Star Wars again. I have missed doing the podcast. 
It's been almost a month. Like I did a solo episode last week, but that's no fun. I don't like doing that. It makes me very self-conscious. And I want to talk to my friend, Brittany Brown. I know. I'm so excited to get to talk to you again, man. And to catch up and to talk shit and just all the, the lovely things that make a beautiful friendship. Yay. <sighs> well, Emily, where can we find you in the podcast on social media? I am on Twitter and Instagram at EFLind. The show is on Twitter and Instagram at CantoBitePod. How about you? Sometimes. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram as uh, CantoBrit. Yeah, and please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or SoundCloud or wherever you happen to listen to us. Help us spread the word. Yeah. Thank you, everyone, for listening, and we will talk to you next time. Bye. Bye. Here we go. Yo, 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 and away we go It's time to serenade my girl Lindo Sorry the ladies where I had to say no But if I'm cheating on Serena, it's on Canto No shame in the game Make even Rogue One seem tame But I blame it on Brit with a ginger main main Yeah, that's fire Love on the rocks, leaves the love on my socks Lindo fanfic leaves y'all shocked Especially when y'all truly whips out his cock Canto bite Episode 100 Hey yo, I'm back, no fulcrum this time I'm on a flight to the bay and I'm writing some rhymes My top three running through my head, you know So I had to come correct when they hit the hundo My girls E&B deserve congratulations Our adulation for the weekly creation My last celebration was all about them But this time I gotta drop lines for our friends This is for the bitches, strictly for the bitches Give it up for the bitches, all the canto bitches This one's for my bitches, only for the bitches Throw your hands up, bitches all my Canto bitches Start off with my Aussies Catherine's a sweet one Brought cash into lunch With Canto bitch number one Josh made it a team And had bourbon and cornflakes The kind of ice cream That made him show me his old face Got to meet Turbo And throw back some brew Fish tacos and San Fran You know we approve Rebecca from Perth I haven't met you yet Last shout to Frushy Dude I didn't forget This is for the bitches Strictly for the bitches Give it up for the bitches All the Canto bitches This one's for my bitches Only for the bitches Throw your hands up bitches all my canto bitches Rabia and Adele often email the show I cut a track on them trolls with Johnny Grosso Jesse McGee busted a rap for me Met her and horse B at scum and villainy King Tom Death Watch The most regal of fathers Got to behold the luscious locks of Strata Shouted Rusty last time so I shout a Raj too You know the list ain't complete without lesson boo This is for the bitches Strictly for the bitches Give it up for the bitches All the canto bitches This one's for my bitches Only for the bitches Throw your hands up bitches all my canto bitches now if i didn't say your name don't feel no shame you love the fun the games and refresher bangs hang on every word of lindo's fanfic where she describes every vein in mendo's dick spread the word maybe buy a t-shirt i don't know maybe ask the girls if yaddle squirts take your cbd send in your top three and you'll always be a bitch like me get him eric